I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Mother to us all. Amen. I am the greatest. I am the greatest. Those words rang through my childhood as Muhammad Ali was at the zenith of his career. Though he proclaimed himself the greatest a few years before I was born, he must have repeated those words over and over because I heard them over and over. Or perhaps those black and white clips I remember were merely old newsreels replayed during the years after Ali refused to fight in Vietnam, or perhaps during any one of his comebacks in boxing. All I know is that Ali did what few people did then, declared himself the greatest, and then delivered on that promise. I am the greatest. For Ali was the greatest for a time in the boxing world. But those words streaming out of televisions and radios infuriated my father and many others. To declare yourself the greatest is not humble. It's not classy. For my father's generation, tooting your own horn just wasn't done. You've kept your head down. You do what needs to be done. You keep quiet about it. Ali smashed all of that, at least in the sporting world, and who can blame him? He was young, cocky, an outstanding athlete from a poor background, a black man living in a racist country where black men could rise only in sport, and even that was pretty new at that time. Someone had to believe in him, praise him, even if it was himself. I am the greatest. But that need to proclaim greatness, which is a bit thrilling, a little shocking, trash-talking to increase the drama and the viewership for a sport that never quite entered the beloved American pantheon of football, basketball, and baseball, that need to decide who is the greatest, to proclaim one's own greatness has become problematic as we buy into it more and more. For it's one thing for a young man, poor, black, to declare himself great in the face of a society that never would. It's another when being the greatest becomes woven into our culture so that everyone is the greatest. Everyone receives a prize, an award, a ribbon so that they know they're great. The need to argue over who is the greatest becomes more disturbing as each of us has our own broadcast channel where we can post pictures of how great our lives are, see with envy how much greater the lives of our enemies and frenemies are. Where we can humble brag so we don't feel too bad about our own self-promotion. With this rise in trying to promote self-esteem in kids, never a bad thing. Along with that came the advent of social media. Now we've made everyone the center of his or her, her own life, a star with the audience of one. So who is surprised that narcissism is on the rise? 
and I need not rehearse how greatness has become the watchword in politics, a mantra at rallies, and in tweet storms, we now declare our greatness on baseball caps. Make America great again. Who is the greatest? I am the greatest. And America isn't alone, and this is nothing new. Being the greatest, whether for real or by declaring it so, is a game played by nations all over the world throughout history. It's fairly easy to see, to critique the need of others to brag, declare themselves great, to jockey for position, but of course each of us longs for greatness too. After all, not a single one of us follows our, voc our vocation, whether in a job we feel called to do or a hobby we pursue or our calling as family members, sibling, parent, child, or as friends. We don't pursue those in hopes that we won't be successful, that we won't be good at what we do. And as we seek to be good, it can be so tempting to use the measurements of the world to decide whether or not we are great. Is our salary significant? Is my lifestyle, my clothes, my car, my house impressive enough? How many likes and shares do my posts receive? Am I recognized as a leader as great by others? Even if we can avoid the need for these markers to assure us we are great, who here doesn't feel a small stitch of envy, a tinge of doubt, when another is recognized, receiving accolades or awards, especially for something somewhat like what we do. Who is the greatest? And where does this desire come from? This desire to be greatest, to be better than. Is it sin? Is it pride? maybe? Or might there be a humbler, more heartbreaking answer? Do we argue over who is the greatest? Do we long to be the greatest because we are afraid? Could it be fear is what drives our bragging, our posting, our striving. For the second time, Jesus teaches his disciples about the passion, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. They'd heard a longer version of this earlier and they hadn't much liked it then. They hadn't understood how that fit with being the Messiah. Didn't much like hearing that they were going to have to take up their cross, lose their lives. This time they still don't understand what Jesus is saying and they were afraid to ask him. They are afraid to ask him. Afraid because they don't want to show their ignorance Afraid because they don't want the answer. Afraid because this means their lives will turn out very differently than they had planned. I suppose, yes, 
and yes, and yes. They were afraid. So they did what we humans do when we're afraid. They argued among themselves, trying to be better than one another. They puffed themselves up so they wouldn't have to face the fear that was dogging them. I am the greatest. No, I am the greatest. For if you are the greatest, if you are perfect, if people admire you, if you surround yourself with enough stuff, if you get the promotions and the awards, well then, you're safe. Right? The disciples were afraid, so they tried to make themselves big. Tried to find ways to justify themselves, make themselves important, but they still don't get it. We're great not because of what we do, what we earn, what we accomplish. We're great. We're great because we are loved. We are great because we are secure in the grace, mercy, and love of God. And those who are secure have no need to prove themselves, no need to be greater than another, no need to be better than, never need to brag or to declare, I am the greatest. When we know our proper place, when we know that we are loved, when we know that our deepest identity is as the beloved of God, which is to be last of all, servant of all, following the model of Jesus Christ, the one who came not to be served, but to serve. The one who came to us vulnerable, weak as an infant, who hangs out not with the powerful and the rich, but with the poor, the sick, the children, who hangs out with those who could do nothing for him but ruin his reputation. Gentiles, tax collectors, bleeding women. We can choose to be great by the world's standards. We can follow the world's ways of power, wealth, glory, promoting ourselves over others so that we can feel better tearing others down, so that we feel better about ourselves for a moment. Or we can try the little way, the humble way of Christ. Where being great is to be small. To be first is to worry about oneself last. To be first of all is to serve all. Maybe no one will notice us then. No one, that is, except God. The one willing to become least, human, vulnerable child, so that we might know God might know that no matter how little or vulnerable we are, we are not alone. We don't have to be the greatest because we are already loved. And if we trust in the grace of God, if we trust in God's love for us, in our identity in God rather than our own goodness and righteousness, then we needn't be afraid. We won't have to be better than. We won't have to declare ourselves great. It will be enough to be like children 
who know that the one who is great is always ready to gather us up in his arms. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.